Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. I got to admit, I went in the darkness, 90% retiring, 10% playing. That's where my, my mind was. I think since Friday, uh, I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Okay. Um, and I haven't been holding anything up at this point. It's been compensation that the Packers are trying to get uh, for me and kind of digging their heels in. So I would just... Uh, I think it is interesting at this point to step back and look at the whole picture. Um, you know, my side, love and appreciation, gratitude for everything that Green Bay has done for me. Love, so much love and gratitude and just heart open for the Packer fans Hell yeah. and what it meant to be their quarterback. And also the reality of the situation, you know, like it is what it is. The Packers would like to move on. They've let me know that in so many words. They let, they've let other people know that in direct words. Um and because I still have that fire and I, I, and I want to play and I would like to play in New York, uh, it's just a matter of, um, you know, getting that done at this point. Oh, Aaron Rodgers, the gift that keeps on giving. Hello, everybody. Listen, you are not seeing things. Mike and Mike did not get better looking. It is Woman Wednesday. So I have the privilege of hosting alongside my real life bestie, my sports bestie, yes. Liv Moon, Olivia Moody in the building. Hi, my darling. Hello. How are you? So excited to be doing this with you. This is our first time hosting a show together. This is going to be fun. I know. I'm very excited. I feel like there's a lot to talk about right now. The madness yeah. never ends. There's a lot to talk about. It's going to be like our our group chat or just our regular text thread come to life on this show for one hour. So let's just get right into it. We have a jam-packed show. A lot of cool guests are going to be joining us later on. But first and foremost, we got to talk about Aaron Rodgers and his now infamous appearance on the Pat McAfee show. Everyone was waiting on pins and needles to see what exactly Aaron Rodgers was going to say. He rambled. For a bit, in true Aaron Rodgers fashion, he dragged his feet a little bit, gave us um, some interesting backstory on what was going on with the Green Bay Packers and him behind the scenes. Let us know that, hey, towards the end of the season, I was pretty much retired, changed my mind, and I have all intentions, keyword intentions, on playing for the New York Jets. 
but alludes to the fact that the Packers are the ones holding up the trade, the situation from actually unfolding. Let kind of break down what you made of Aaron Rodgers' debacle, if you will. Debacle? Debacle. What, what did you take away from that? At a whole lot of drama, which I feel like is the case with him all the time. I feel like every single season we're hearing, is he playing? Is he not? Is he retiring? Is he not? Uh, you know, is he staying in Green Bay? Is he not? I actually talked a little bit a little while ago about where I thought he was going to end up. And I said, I think he's going to stay in Green Bay because this is the same story, different year with him. Uh, you know, I don't know how much I believe that the Packers were the ones dragging their feet. I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were trying to find uh, good compensation, trying to see what they wanted to do with their money. Um, but you know what? I, I It's just it's just typical Rodgers, right? He loves the headline. We see this every season. So, you know, I just think it's a lot of drama for what? I think he's been knowing for a while that the Jets was his endgame, so he could have just said that. It, is, it was cool. I mean, if it wasn't 1 o'clock in the afternoon, a cool drinking game would be take a shot every time Aaron Rodgers <laughs> said the word darkness. I came out of the darkness. In the darkness, I had these thoughts. When I came out of the darkness, we get it. Darkness retreat, Aaron Rodgers. I do think it's an interesting situation, though. You know, we can go back to the last season, you know, the last offseason, and Aaron Rodgers was dragging his feet for a different reason. Now we know it's because he was allegedly out of his own mouth, was contemplating retirement. And you know, that yeah. caused a lot of a domino effect. Devontae Adams left. You know, there wasn't that chemistry that was able to be established with Rodgers and his young wide receiver core. He never really took the effort to kind of work with them like he did in the past with a Jordy Nelson or a Randall Cobb or a Devontae Adams. He threw them under the bus, it seemed like, a few times in the offseason. And now, you know, he is attempting to move to a situation in New Jersey, not New York. Yes, New Jersey. Um, that does have a young core that is going to need some leadership. And it's interesting that he's willing to kind of take that role on because it seemed like that's not what he wanted to do in Green Bay. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is interesting. And now we're seeing conversations about who he wants with him. Uh, he's, he's not only wanting to leave Green Bay, but he's got expectations of here's what I want when I get to New Jersey, to be exact. So, you know, I, I think I, I said that I wanted to talk about the chokehold, the Rogers chokehold. I just feel like he has uh, a chokehold on the media on, he's had a chokehold now on two different, two different uh, NFL teams for the past month. They've been trying to figure out what they're going to do with free agency in the off season. And he's had a chokehold on both of them. So I'm ready for him to let go, let go of these teams, let them make their decisions. It sounds like we're kind of headed in that direction, but yeah, it sounds like he's also got some expectations of what should happen when he gets to New Jersey, which is interesting. Dive into the expectations and all that. He also has a chokehold on Twitter because he went ahead <laughs> and on the show, called out Adam Schefter and said that he told him to lose his number. That's a direct quote. Adam Schefter then goes ahead and drops the screenshot. And he indeed did say, lose my number. Nice try, though. It sounds like me after a terrible first date, like what I text the guy, like lose my lose number. Lose my nice number. Try, exactly. That is, that's <laughs> an mean, Ashley statement for sure. Absolutely. It's definitely out of the Ashley playbook. But I mean, talking about these expectations, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers is asking for this player, that player, this red carpet, this drink in his locker, kabucha by the caseload, all this stuff that he needs to be comfortable with the New York Jets. 
okay, cool, I got you, but I better win a Super Bowl because you're not 24 years old. You're closer to 40 than you are to 30. So, I mean, obviously with the caliber of a quarterback that he is, when you talk about Tom Brady, when you talk about Aaron Rodgers, you always expect them to be in the Super Bowl conversation. But is he kind of digging himself a little too deep? You get too much dip on your chip, as Cam Newton would say? Yeah, you know, potentially, because here's the thing. This Jets team was was looking pretty stellar in all areas outside of that QB position. So, yeah, this was kind of their, uh, you know, their priority in the offseason, and rightfully so. However, when you spend this kind of money with a guy that has been flirting with retirement as often as Rodgers has, a guy that is at the age that he has, you know, we've seen Rodgers. Uh, he is a very talented quarterback. There's no denying that. I will not deny that. However. Uh, wins matter, Super Bowls matter, championships matter. So if you're going to invest in a quarterback that's been flirting with retirement, that is the age of Rodgers, yeah, you better win a Super Bowl. It's pretty simple to me. If we're going to invest in you at this age, uh, we could have taken a young guy, you know, um, we went with Rodgers and Rodgers is talented, but yeah, you got to win. We got to see a ring. For sure. I mean, we're definitely going to double back to this Rodgers conversation later in the show. But I mean, speaking of winning a championship and, and championships matter, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are still not getting along. This is, you know, the Ravens are like the guy who is really in love, but he won't put a ring on it. He's struggling to commit. He's struggling to take that next step. That seems to be what's going on with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. We'll dive deeper into this with Justin Tinsley when he joins us in a few minutes. But Lamar came out and said, you know, he called Cap on Schefter's report, basically, and said, listen, three years, $133 million. laughing at that. But I need an agent, though. I mean, it just seems like every single way the Ravens can kind of flip off in so many ways. Lamar Jackson, they continuously do it. And it's very, like, concerning because it's – it's a quarterback who has given you every reason to want to keep him within your organization for the long term. He's a great guy on the field, great locker room guy, as you know, like the term it likes to be used in the NFL, but also the intangibles that we're always talking about. He's a guy that people want to go ahead and sign to endorsement deals. He's a guy that hasn't gotten in any trouble off the field. What more do you want from him? You know, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, you know, there's a lot, we've always heard these conversations about Lamar Jackson and, and the dangers that he puts him in being a mobile quarterback. We don't hear the same conversations about Josh Allen. And I think they have a very similar playing style. I think the standard that the Ravens are holding Lamar Jackson to and, and the excuses that they have for not paying him are, are bogus in my opinion. And I think Lamar Jackson is in the process of changing the game. He is self-representing. This is something we don't see very often in the league, especially with a player of that caliber. So do I think the Ravens are taking advantage of him self-representing? Yes, I do. Uh, but I think, hey, it's important for these players to be able to advocate for themselves. So I have all the respect in the world for a guy like Lamar Jackson. And I think the Ravens just, he's not backing down as he shouldn't. And the Ravens are trying to take advantage of the fact that he doesn't have representation and he's not, he's not folding. So I, I think the Ravens are, are foolish is what I think. Hey, Lamar, we're going to continue this conversation when we get back. We have Justin Tinsley, and we have some breaking John Morant news, so you guys don't move. We will be right back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. John Morant is being suspended by the NBA per a Woj bomb. Eight games without pay for conduct detrimental to the league. Sources have told ESPN. It also is confirmed that he met with the commissioner, Adam Silver, in New York after leaving his counseling program in Florida. And he is ramping up to come back after this suspension. So the Grizzlies should be getting John Morant back, hopefully with no other hiccups in the equation. Joining us now is Justin Tinsley of Anscape. Justin, how are you? I haven't seen you since we did the panel together at... What was it? The Revolt Summit last year? Yeah, yeah. Last October, September, October, one of them two months, the Revolt Conference for sure. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, a lot has changed. You're a new dad now. I am. I am. It's it's like I was telling you earlier, it's a beautiful haze, but it's it's the best job I've ever had. And I, I know I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. And I'm looking forward to that. Minus the missing the sleep, it. but you know, you get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're gonna before we dive and circle back to, to Lamar Jackson, we gotta go ahead and break down this yeah. John Morant news. It's been it's been one thing after another. Um, obviously, you know, the incidences prior to his suspension and prior him to stepping away from the game, you know, allegedly getting to altercations, you know, at a, at the mall and during a pickup basketball game. Then it was the brandishing of the gun in the strip club on the IG Live. Then those photos were released out. Um, him at the strip club, I guess, via the security cameras, which is a different conversation and invasion of privacy. Now we're getting, you know, that, you know, after hearing the news of him entering a counseling program in Florida, he met with the commissioner and a suspension has come down eight games without pay. What do you make of this whole um, situation with John Morant and then let jump right in after? Go ahead. Yeah, I think when you when you look at this and when you look at the totality of the situation, which you just broke down just now, if you're John Morant, you're, you're probably grateful for eight games because it could have been far, far worse. So I know everybody everybody was hearing the, the potential 50 games out there with all the other details that came with that number. But if you're John Morant, you have to be grateful that it is eight games. It could, you can come back before the end of the regular season. You can come back right before the playoffs and hopefully help help your team make a playoff push. But if you're John Morant, you you have to be thankful because this could have been worse. And, it may, and in some ways, maybe it should have. Like, this is a guy who is one of the young faces in the NBA. I'm one of the premier young faces and when you when you look at the dynamic of the league right now he's one of the young black american faces uh, under the age of 30 which there aren't really that many superstars in the league they you know 
the younger superstars are more concentrated with, with being overseas players. So the, John Morant needed this and the NBA, the NBA needed to save John Morant from John Morant in a lot of ways. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I mean, John Morant, again, like, like you mentioned, he is, he is the face of this young generation of basketball. And I think there's a lot of conversations about how basketball has changed and evolved, but at, at the same token, we have to set a standard, right? And unfortunately, John Morant has to be made an example of because there's too many young players. There's too many kids even that look up to this man as their inspiration, as their idol. I think that this was a situation that was hopefully very eye-opening for him because I think there's been a lot of um, former players and veterans that have expressed concern about his lifestyle and maybe how he presents himself and how he carries himself. And I don't care about how he was raised. That has nothing to do with with what we're we're talking about right now. This is present day stuff. And I think there's been some expression that that there's some concern there for how he, you know, carries himself. So hopefully this was an eye opener. I think it should be uh, eight games. Yeah, he's lucky because I was I was expecting it to at least be 50 with, you know, the 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 gun being on the premise, the team premises. That was kind of the rule that was being thrown around. So I think eight games, he should feel very lucky. It's an eight-game suspension because he got ahead of it. You know, a lot of the times, guys will try to go ahead and make excuses. It's obviously not a direct comparison. When we go to the Kyrie Irving situation, a lot of people wonder if he had just come out and said, look, I apologize, I made a mistake, was not my intention, would that situation have gone differently? With John Morant, he did come out and say, look, you know, I'm sorry for embarrassing the the league, my team, you know, my family, my friends, I'm going to step away and take care of myself. And I think that anybody, and I know that I personally got a lot of backlash for having this opinion on the matter, but I think anybody who has done any type of self-reflection in their life or someone who is of a certain age and kind of looks back at the things that they have done, you know, when they were that age or just in the past in general, can see signs and can see bad behaviors in other other individuals. And this is not negating that jaw broke rules. And with that are repercussions and the power raid, you know, being those ads being pulled and being suspended from the team and the team, although they're staying afloat, you know, they need John Morant in the long term. But I think also you can look at a lot of these instances and notice the domino effect of bad behavior, but tied to a deeper issue there. Nobody does certain things just because there's always a deeper meaning and i believe john when he says that he's not dealing with maybe the the huge rise of his star in the past year and everything that comes with that i believe him when he says he's not dealing and managing those stresses appropriately or correctly or in the most healthy way i believe that because you can see it so while that doesn't negate that there are punishments for your actions i wish people would have maybe looked at this as more of a broader spectrum, a bigger picture than just like, oh, Jaws a thug and Jaws cosplaying being a gangster and Jaws this, does he want to be a crip? There's there's layers to this conversation yeah. for sure. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I think a lot of people misunderstand celebrity and coming into a lot of money at a very young age as if it's very easy to deal with. Lifestyle changes are never easy. And then when you take into account your lifestyle change, it's very public. You're, 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 you're one of the faces of the league. You can make the argument that John Morant is already the greatest player in Grizzlies history. That's a lot of pressure and that's a lot of expectations to live up to. And the, the, the harmful thing about potential is eventually and very soon you have to cash in on that potential. And so that's a lot of things that John Morant has to live with. And of course, you know, we don't really know what's going on in his personal life. So I hope, 
I hope he's used this this moment for the reflection that he needs and understands that his decisions don't just impact him. Uh, you know, he talks yes. a lot about his young daughter. He talks a lot about his family and how much he loves her and how much he wants to protect her. Well, eventually you're going to have to explain what your actions were, were right here. And you have to explain to her that, yo, daddy made a mistake and, and don't follow daddy's route in, in, in that, in that magnitude or. or that's or a great that point so, too. So that's a great yeah. point too. Liv and I, Liv and I have this conversation off air. We have it on air sometimes. And I'm a little bit older than Liv. And, you know, we have this, I have this conversation with her often and a lot of my friends, you have to hire and fire people in your life accordingly. And it's a lesson that sometimes you have to learn with age. And if you can go ahead and prevent a younger person from having to learn that with age, that is a huge lesson. People are assets and people are liabilities. And mm -hmm. John may also have to do that in his everyday life. Look at the people around him, determine who's an asset, who's a liability and that's very hard to do in the black community because we're kind of taught very early on to take everybody with us and don't go Hollywood. You know, when you go back to the hood, it's like, oh, you Hollywood now. Yes, I kind of am, but I have to be because there's a whole <laughs> lot riding on like what I have and what I do. And I can't maneuver the way I was maneuvering in high school or even in college. Like it's, or even my rookie year, it's a different ball game. I'm John Morant. Like when I walk outside of my, house. I am a business. I am a brand. I am an enterprise. And like, if you're subtracting from that, it's all love, but you got to go. Like, it's really that yeah. simple. It's, it's no, it's Facts. no animosity. You don't got to go Facts. home, but you gotta get the hell out of here kind of thing. So, yeah. um, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Lamar Jackson, Liv and I kind of talked about it a little bit and, um, he came out and called cap on Schefter's report and said it was three years, $133 million that was actually offered to put that into comparison. Daniel Jones, 160, 104 million guaranteed, or maybe more like 93 million guaranteed if you really break down the contract. But for all intents and purposes, the Ravens are telling Lamar that him and Daniel Jones are only $40 million apart, depending on what that contract actually looks like. I mean, Justin, live, break it down. How's the situation gonna end? This is one of the weirdest public relationships we've seen play out in quite some time because it feels like for as much information as we think we know, I don't think we really know much of the information. We hear the reports, we hear the rumors, but Lamar hasn't really been forthcoming in, in, in this process, which I respect. And the Ravens haven't done it either, which I respect as well. The thing with the whole Lamar doesn't have an agent thing, I understand. And, and, and an agent can help you in a lot of ways. But it, it's important to remember that Lamar does have representation around him. Yes, we know about the family, but he also has the lawyers and the advisors from the NFLPA. They can tell him, hey, look, this looks like a good deal. This is what you want. Maybe you shouldn't sign that or maybe you shouldn't sign that. But it's Lamar that ultimately at the end of the day has to go into the negotiating room and figure out what's going on. If I'm Lamar, I'm looking at, I understand why he wants his his deal fully guaranteed. He looks at he looks at somebody like Deshaun Jackson, who basically went two seasons without playing because of his own personal indiscretions. We understand it. Like he got 230 million guaranteed and he didn't complete a pass for almost two seasons. And, and people make up this whole thing. Well, Lamar isn't the greatest passer in the world. Well, when he won MVP in 2019, he led the league in touchdowns, you know, and right. people are like, oh, he's one in three in the playoffs. Well, Deshaun Watson is one in two. 
So it's like, is, is it Uchi Wally Wally or is it one mic? As Jay-Z once said, I don't understand, but I would like for it to, I would like to see uh, Lamar um, get his money with the Ravens, but and now that he can negotiate with other teams, and here's another interesting facet about him negotiating with other teams. The Ravens could potentially, in essence, use another team to do their bidding for them. So if he goes to, let's say, the, the Washington Commanders or the who are an, another team that's out there, the Las Vegas, not not Raiders, they already got Garoppolo, but but another team who may want him, like, hey, look, they're willing to offer me this. The Ravens could be like, oh, well, we can match that. Here's your contract. And thanks, random other team, for doing our dirty work for us. So there's a lot of moving parts. And it's, it's, it's a confusing situation because we really don't know what each side is saying to each other. Last point goes to you. I mean, you were one of the many people critical of the Deshaun Watson contract. I think a lot of people were looking at it sideways. He got paid. He got paid handsomely. Lamar struggling to do the same. I mean, you're Lamar Jackson. What are you doing? Last point goes to you. Yeah, I mean, I I think Lamar Jackson deserves better. We talked about it a little bit beforehand. Uh, I think he's an excellent quarterback. I think people love to make excuses about questioning his talent I just don't understand it. it it to me it is the most bogus thing ever when people try to downplay how great he truly is my only thing is we have seen him battle injury uh so there is a sense of liability there with Lamar Jackson we've seen him you know have to sit out quite a bit to me uh you get paid when you play so to me yeah the, the Watson situation was strange to me he wasn't playing and he was making money it was it was strange to me however Lamar Jackson has proven time and time again the type of caliber of quarterback that he is. So when people question that, it really doesn't make any sense to me. But I also want Lamar Jackson to go somewhere where he's wanted. Uh, I think that there is a, a piece of this story that just doesn't sit right. I feel like we're not getting everything, and we shouldn't. We're you know we're fans, and we're we're in the public, we're in the media. It's really you know not necessarily our business entirely. Um, so I do think there's something missing. But if I could tell the Ravens one thing, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, and you've got one of the best. So you, you better figure it out before you lose him, because I think he needs to go where he feels respected and wanted. And I don't know if that's in Baltimore. Right, and if it smells like collusion, it's probably collusion. Dustin, thank <laughs> oh, you so yes. much for joining us. We will see thank you, you ladies, for having me on. We have, so, we have more guests on the way, so make sure you guys keep it locked right here. We will be right back. You were specific in saying Mike Lowry and how to say Lowry. So how, how do you know Mike Lowry? <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies of all time. When when did you first see it? Uh, sometime when I was a kid. Uh, Are you serious? I, yeah, I can't remember uh, when that was exactly, but I mean, I've seen it a couple times for sure. <laughs> so when did you, when did you start telling people like like Mike Lowry? Like it, what? It, since you're either a kid? Mike or Kyle. <laughs> okay, <laughs> either one. <laughs> I'm very interested. In, you're like you, that's my hotel name on the road though. <laughs> The fact that that's his hotel name, for people who don't know, so athletes check in under hotels under aliases because they think, like, it makes them safer. I'm not quite sure why it works. I've heard, go, I've heard James St. Patrick. I've heard, you know, uh, The Flash, which is ridiculous because he's not a real person. Now it's Mike Lowry. So, I mean, that's great. One half of the Point Forward podcast, it's Evan Turner. Hello, Evan. How are you? I'm good. How you guys doing? I'm good. Welcome good. to the podcast game. How's it treating oh, you? 
It's going all right. It's it's not too bad. Uh, I like working remotely, so it, it uh that helps from time to time. I mean, it makes it easier when you're jet setting around the world, right? So yeah, from time to time, yeah, for sure. <laughs> How you guys doing? I'm doing well. We gotta we gotta dive into something. A fellow podcaster, JJ Reddick, you know, released the other day. He sat down with a guy you know pretty well, Damian Lillard, and mm-hmm. Dame had something very interesting to say that I think a lot of fans needed him to needed to hear him say. We have the clip, and then we'll go ahead and, and dissect this a little bit. The NBA I play in now. Is not the NBA that I came into. And I expect it to evolve. Everything is is constantly changing. But, like, I feel like I play for the love of the game. Like, I, wanna, I want the competition. I want to know what it feels like to win. I want to see my teammates do well. I want to see my teammates get paid. You know, like, I enjoy the... Uh, the bonding part of it, like we spend more time with each other than anybody. But now it's like, that don't count. Regular season don't count. Get a ring. This is why I love Dame Time, because he keeps it real and he doesn't care. We have this conversation often, Evan. It's this constant moving goalposts on what the NBA and what the current NBA players should be doing to win championships. You have players like LeBron and Kevin Durant who have moved around multiple teams to give themselves the best opportunity to win championships because that is what seems to matter the most to people in this league, right? They do that, then there's backlash. They're ring chasers, and this ring doesn't count, and that ring doesn't count. On the other side of the argument, you have players like Damian Lillard, like Bradley Beal, who don't do that, who say, I'm here, I'm going to try to win here, and I'm going to go ahead and accept those Supermax contracts because I'm going to be here for the long term and I'm going to make it work. And it's, oh, he doesn't want to win. He's just in it for the money. Which side Like which side are we rocking with? What, what, you can't play both ends in the middle here. What do you make of what Dame said and what do you make of the current state of the NBA when it comes to that? I mean, aside from this clip, I think one thing that goes missing is uh, the individual. Like, if you're around Dame Lillard, he's ultra competitive, you know, Um, almost to the point where you've been in a locker room where you hear how he speaks and, you know, thinks about, you know, where he sees himself in five or six years. He doesn't really see a limit. So I think sometimes when it comes down to it, he doesn't feel like he needs to go anywhere because he feels like he's one piece or you know, a couple pieces away from winning a championship. I think, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, when guys aren't so much loaded with a team, you kind of get taken away from, uh, you know, what they do individually. I think Dame has led a lot of uh, tough, you know, teams with not the best rosters and a, a lot of great situations. Um, I was on his team for two years. We were selected to be, uh, you know, 11th in conference, and we finished third every year winning a, the division. So I think with that type of confidence and that type of history, Guys don't really get a chance to uh, really say why they stay or people don't really comprehend. Brad Bill has had multiple 60-point games. Those are guys that are well capable of their talent. So I think, uh, you know, leaving doesn't really turn them on because they might feel like they can do it there. Lev, I mean, we've, I, you know how I feel about this. I hate when people play ride the fence yeah. and what's good for the yeah. goose is not good for the gander. I mean, yeah. Lev, what do you make of what you heard Dame say? And should a lot of people like look at him differently if they thought that he wasn't a player for whatever reason that wanted to win, which is ridiculous? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with Damian Lillard here. I mean, we, we even look at this with the MVP conversation. You've got yeah. very valuable players with a Trust lot of me. talent. That, <laughs> right. I mean, you've got it. It happens all the time now. Okay. I'm, I'm a Denver Nuggets girl, so I shouldn't ever talk about MVP because I've been blessed for the past two seasons for sure as a fan. However, with the MVP conversation, we see it all the time. Where's the ring? They're not winning games. They're not, that doesn't, that doesn't take away from their value on yeah. their team. Uh, and so it's so interesting the way that we even compare talent. Uh, I think this league has become very flashy. It's all about the championships. I mean, if you look at even Draymond Green, uh, most of the time when he's chirping, he's flexing the amount of rings he has on his finger, but he's talking to players that could go head to head with him just fine. Their talent is there. Hmm. The ring situation really does. Uh, it does change how we view the game itself and how we view the talent and the caliber of these players but I don't think it should. Uh, we see it with the MVP. We even see it with the all-star game. Uh, it's a popularity contest. It feels like where we're just looking for the flashy people that, that are going to get the eyeballs on the program. But really uh, look at guys like Aaron Gordon. He's had an exceptional year, but we're not talking about him. He's not in the all-star game because he's Aaron Gordon, not Jokic. You know what I mean? So it's hard because I don't agree with the ring conversation being, you know, what, what, the main focus of the league, but it seems that, that we're mm-hmm. headed that direction for sure. Uh, I, 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 I think I heard somebody say that the, the ring conversation ring culture was, was brought up for one person. And that was like LeBron, you know what I mean? And then it went buck crazy after that, they were trying to chase, you know, uh, have LeBron chase MJ and all this. And eventually everybody's been screaming ring, 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 you know? I mean, obviously, KD, he went to Phoenix, and that, for all intents and purposes, you can, I guess, call that a super team. You do have a Hall of Famer, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant's a Hall of Famer, Devin Booker is a superstar right now. He's only getting better. But if you look around the league, I think that era of these ultra-talented players, these Hall of Fame guys joining teams, joining forces to go ahead and win championships is slowly dwindling down. You look at a team like the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, that's a team that was orchestrated from the ground up. Same thing in Boston. That's a team that was orchestrated from the ground up and they've really been able to reap the benefits of the seeds they planted seasons ago. So do you think the super team era is dying? No, I would I would think so. I think the guys are really, you know, plugged in it and from that culture are just getting older. And that's like no diss or anything, but you know, unfortunately we only have a couple more years of uh, you know, that era and those guys are a part of it. So I think the young guys, they kinda uh, along with along with the organizations, you look you look at Memphis or you look even look at the Celtics, their culture has been built, you know, years in advance and kind of comprehending where they want to go with it. The same thing with Atlanta Hawks when they drafted all those young guys as well. You see teams have uh, take advantage of, um, you know, having those down years, but also, you know, playing into, um, you know, trying to build the best possible, you know, um, franchise they can. All right, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Liv, you brought it up, the MVP conversation. So, you know, I'm going to you first. The Denver Nuggets are still sitting <laughs> at number one spot in the Western Conference. Jokic has been the front runner for the MVP, but they have also lost four games in a row while the Bucks and the 76ers have been moving and grooving. And on those teams, you have Giannis, you have Embiid, who are also in the running for MVP. And people are making the argument that they should, one of those two should be the ones to win it. 
Liv, does the recent losses of the Denver Nuggets hurt Jokic's MVP chances, especially with what Embiid and Giannis are doing over in the Eastern Conference? Uh, I don't think it should, but I think it does. Absolutely. Uh, I will tell you as much as I love my Denver Nuggets and Jokic, my preseason pick for MVP was Giannis. Uh, I love Giannis. I love what Giannis is doing. But now, hey, let's not forget that this Bucks team was on a 14-game win streak without Giannis. So, mm-hmm. yes, he is valuable to this team and to this game. However, they're still winning without him. And it's the same thing we see even with the Grizzlies. Hey, John Morant. He may be the most valuable when he's out there, but you remove him from the equation, they're still doing okay. So the MVP conversation is a really dicey one because you've got Jokic, who to me is exceptional, and he's doing things that, and he does it with such ease. It just looks so easy, which I think actually makes people mad. I think they watch him play and they're like, that should not be an MVP. I mean, if you saw this guy walking physically down like, the street, he's not correct. He's not like an Adonis. Absolutely. Like, it's like, why does he he's look not. like this? He's not. He's not. And I think it frustrates people because you see this guy walking down the street. I mean, when he first joined the Nuggets, he was drinking like a liter of Pepsi a day. And they were like, dude, this is not how we do things around here. But this is a guy that is just so easy for him. And I think that frustrates a lot of people, which whatever. Uh, yeah. Do I think Jokic is the MVP right now? I do. But. Giannis was my initial pick. I could see it going that way. But again, you removed him 14 games. They won in a row without him. So when you're looking at the word valuable, it's like they've got a lot of talent on that team. So the valuable conversation, it's it's tough. It's a very tough one. We, we, we've spoken a lot about this MVP conversation. A lot of theories have been thrown out from various you know publications and outlets regarding the MVP, especially this year. But I think at the root of it, I think we can all agree on one thing. The criteria is extremely flawed. Like nobody knows what the criteria is. It changes from season to season. One year championships matter. The next they don't. One year you have to be in a winning uh, the top five. Next year, Steph Curry's in the conversation as a number nine <laughs> seed in the yeah. world. I mean, what does what needs to happen for the MVP award to be the most fair and the most, I guess, yeah, what just the most fair so we don't have these conversations anymore. I, I think one thing that always used to uh, bother me a bit, and it's no slight to anybody, but you look at a Jokic, he has all these crazy triple doubles and he has like unbelievable numbers. But then when you factor in a defensive side of it, he's not the best defensively. And sometimes you look at it and it's like, is this a game of basketball or is this a game or offense or what people like to watch because I believe the game of basketball is supposed to have, you know, be effective from all levels. And that's why, you know, I don't get so mad when Giannis wins MVP because he does it on both ends of the floor and he's not being picked on in somebody's locker room. I've been in a locker room and we've been told to put Jokic in the pick and roll every time. If you go back and look at Dame Lillard, he's had like two or three 60 point games versus Denver and 50 and da da da. So I kind of want that to be adjusted. I really want winning totally. to go into factor because what, what Jason Tatum is doing right now, I believe is still at a top level. And, and to a certain extent, if he was on a team by himself, he could be averaging 50. He has Jalen Brown with him, a lot of great team, but he's doing it both sides of the floor. And also too, I just think, we can't do that stuff where like Kobe and Shaq only get one MVP and then there's a couple dudes that got two or three at the same time. Like give him be 
an MVP, like what he's deserved, because he's just too good and he's too dominant. He's just too, too dominant. Like, Before we let you go, who's your pick then? Right now, if you had to cash your vote for MVP, who are you giving it to? I'm going Tatum. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm going I Tatum. said that a couple weeks I'm ago. I said he was a sleeper pick, and I yeah. I told people he's a sleeper. Don't sleep on Tatum yeah. for MVP, and people thought I was crazy. I love it. And, it. and then when you isolate and break down what he's really doing at that age and, like, just how easy it is and, like, you look at his mentality, he's really sitting down and guarding the other team's best player. And then he's really giving out 40 like this, like every single week. And then you think about the age, it's a joke. And then and he's right. probably the fly dressing too, so I, I'm into it. I, I, like, I like my superstars to look like superstars. Jason Tatum, if Evan Turner had a vote, it's going to you. So, Evan, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I know the Boston fans will be happy to hear that one. We will be right back, guys. We have one more guest. We're going to circle back on Aaron Rodgers and some other things in the mix. Don't move. The Dallas Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott have officially broken up. It's a sad day for Cowboy fans, especially this one. He is now a free agent per Adam Schefter as of just 27 minutes ago. Listen, it was a incredible time for Dallas Cowboy fans when Ezekiel Elliott put on that 21 jersey. He led the league in rushing twice, 2016 and 2018. He ranks third in franchise history in rushing yards and rushing TDs behind Tony Dorsett and Emmett Smith. So it's history there. Joining us now is Mike Golick Jr. Hello, Mike. Listen. A lot to break, a lot to get into regarding the NFL world. We were going to talk March Madness, but we can't do that. There's too much madness in the no. NFL. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, the era of the 214, as us Cowboy fans like to call it, the combination of Dak and Zeke has come to an end. I mean, what do you make of this? It's sad. It is, and really what the Cowboys built so much of their identity around from the time of Zeke's drafting on was based around him, was based around that ground attack in between the departure of Kellen Moore this offseason, who also has a long history with the Dallas Cowboys as a player and as a coach and a play caller, Zeke Elliott and a couple of others. It really does feel like the turning of a page. And what I know a lot of Cowboys fans were ready for Tony Pollard and what he had started to do in that backfield, the explosive potential. We all saw that there, but I think now with the hindsight of Zeke's contract, no longer a part of Cowboys fans problems, you can appreciate what he was and what he meant to this team for so many years. Yeah. I mean, you think about the Cowboys and, and live, I know, you know, I'm an avid Cowboy fan. Listen, the offense was Ezekiel Elliott for many years. I mean, the run game was their secret weapon. That's why they have spent so much money, so many seasons drafting and developing that offensive line was to go ahead and give Ezekiel Elliott those holes. And my God, in his prime, nobody could stop Ezekiel Elliott. And you slowly so saw that start to dwindle. We have this conversation about running backs often. And Liv, you can start and then Mike take that. And you start to see that teams are a little bit apprehensive to pay running backs Ezekiel Elliott-type money because their longevity is not there. And it's starting to turn the tide more into a passing league, which is why you're investing in quarterbacks who can go ahead and not only run, but also throw that football. Liv, do you think we'll ever see a running back make Ezekiel Elliott-type money in the near future? 
Maybe. Uh, I think of guys like Saquon. Uh, there's a couple that come to the top of my head that are just so, so crucial for the offense. When you've got a guy like Danny Dimes, who just got paid more money than he probably should have for an average quarterback. Uh, you need a guy like Saquon Barkley to be the head of your offense. And, and I look even at this Cowboys team. Uh, I don't think anyone anticipated that Cooper Rush was going to be playing as many games as he did this season. Uh, when you don't trust his arm, guess what? You need to have a good ground game. And thankfully, that Cowboys ground game uh, kept them afloat uh, for that span of time that Cooper Rush was involved. Now, let that, you know, I'm going to give Cooper Rush a little bit of credit because he did what he needed to do. All right. Uh, was he Dak Prescott? No, but he did what he needed to do. So I do think running backs, to me, uh, at times are more important than the receivers that you have because. The receivers can't do their job without a great quarterback. And this quarterback position is tough. We see these injuries with them all the time. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I think Ezekiel Elliott type money is going to be, those are some rare breeds there. But we do have a few running backs in this league that I think the offenses absolutely need in order to survive. So we may see it a little bit. It won't be, uh, it won't be the norm though. That's for sure. Yeah, $15, $16 million a year is going to be tough to come by. Christian McCaffrey was the only other running back that we saw really approach those numbers. Even Derrick Henry, when it came time for him to cash in the second time around, wasn't necessarily in that same range, despite being a guy who was a back-to-back -back rushing champ in the last few years. I think the one to watch that'll tell us a lot about what the running back position is going to look like going forward is the situation with Austin Eckler and the Los Angeles Chargers. His camp asked to be able to receive permission to go seek a trade partner because they had stalled out trying to get deals there. Austin Eckler is right up there among the Christian McCaffreys as far as what the modern running back is, right? Over 100 catches in a season, a guy who's just as deadly as a receiver out of the backfield as he is a rushing threat. And for someone as young as he is, keeping an eye on what the market looks like will him will tell us a lot because you guys both mentioned it. We've transitioned to a lot of a passing league, but we also watch defenses start to downsize because of that, get a lot smaller. And so what's the response been for this last couple of years, especially this year in the NFC? Teams like the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Eagles who represented in the Super Bowl, and even those New York Giants we talked about, all getting things down in tighter and leaning a little bit more on that ground game to try and beat up some of these smaller defenses. So I'd love to see that swing things back into the favor of running backs to get paid. But at this point, I don't know how hopeful I would be. Listen, as a Broncos fan, I need the ground game. As you guys know, if it weren't for the ground game, man, I, I don't think I'll ever watch football again if we don't have a good ground game. Listen, that's, that's a different show, Liv. Before we switch gears and we got to talk, we got to talk Aaron Rodgers. I want everybody to remember, yes, we've seen a decline in Zeke's, you know, game, but we also have to remember he played through a lot of injuries because the offense was so heavily reliant on him for so many years. So I want people, before they get their jokes off and their tweets off and they say, oh, he hasn't been productive, <laughs> think about why. He's, he's, a lot of miles are on Zeke Elliott in games that he probably shouldn't have played. So, Zeke, thank you so much for everything. I got my 21 jersey in my closet, and I will still be rocking it come game day because you are forever a cowboy. But switching gears to a guy who has everybody in a chokehold, as Liv likes to say, um, Aaron Rodgers. He was on Pat McAfee. He came out and gave us this whole sequiloquy or, you know, story about, you know, what happened with the Packers and he was going to retire and now he's not going to retire and he's on his way, allegedly, to the Jets. The Packers are holding it up. It's a soap opera. It's a saga. Mike, what do you make of this Aaron Rodgers situation? 
Yeah, anyone who showed up to the announcement on the Pat McAfee show expecting this to be done in short time clearly does not know Aaron Rodgers, who was going to take (laughs) all of that runway and make sure he told his entire story. And listen, I understand there are a lot of people that feel a certain type of way about Aaron Rodgers. Lord knows I do for the immunization stuff, the way that he presented information, how he handled a lot of that in the public discourse. But what I'll say about this situation in particular is if you remove how people feel about this particular player. I sort of love the idea of a player flipping flipping the script in the PR battle with the team that he's getting ready to leave. We're watching in a different realm right now. Lamar Jackson have to deal with what I'd imagine are the Baltimore Ravens camp putting out numbers about, hey, this is what he turned down. Look at this player. Look how much money we offered him and he's not taking it. These are usually the tactics from organizations to try and paint players in a bad light. So what's Aaron Rodgers come out and do? Yeah, everyone's been blaming him for this holding up, and he's saying, no, the Packers are holding this up. They want compensation, which I can understand. But he's basically saying, hey, this isn't me. This is them. And there's part of me that appreciates there's a player that can sort of flip the script on the establishment a little bit. Pointing the fingers, it's not me, it's this guy. To look this way. Before we before we let you go, Mike, I mean, listen, Aaron Rodgers is allegedly asking for all these pieces to go ahead and make his transitions to the Jets. They already have an incredible defense over there, top 10 in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers implemented this offense with all the weapons that he's asking, or at least a big chunk of the weapons he's asking for. Is this a Super Bowl team next season? I think so, and I think largely because of the defense. People are making jokes about Aaron Rodgers bringing over the same weapons that he complained about when he was with the Packers. I'd say Randall Cobb's a guy he's always trusted. They've already got, remember, the Jets, the first-round rookie talent that Aaron has always wanted, and Garrett Wilson, who was sensational for them last year with a rotating cast of quarterbacks. But I think the biggest difference is that Jets defense. We saw in year two under Rob Sala, they took that step we all expected. And so now if Aaron can get the performance out of them, that he didn't get from Green Bay last year. They are absolutely a team that's capable of making a deep postseason run in what should be a really competitive AFC East this season. Listen, Jets fans, from Mike's lips to God's ears, the football God's ears, that is, may have a Super Bowl (laughs) coming to New Jersey very, very soon. So I'm sure you're happy about that. It's been a long time coming. I don't know that. I'm a Cowboys fan. We have five of them things. (laughs) All I did... One more question. We have one more minute. Give me your championship matchup, March Madness. Who do you have? Championship matchup for March Madness. I ended up going Kansas and Arizona. And I know it's not supposed to happen very often, but... I rock, I rock with the Jayhawks on this one. Bill Self coming back for tournament time here. Glad that he's feeling better. Glad that he's able to make this trip. I'm going to roll with the Jayhawks and just prepare for my bracket to get lit on fire here in the next couple of days anyway. It's not March Madness if your bracket isn't busted in the first round, Mike. Exactly. So much. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. We will be right back, guys. Do not touch that dial. Dial, remote, channel. I don't know. I don't know what this is anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine you're a newlywed and you play in Vegas and your man plays in Vegas and you're going to spend your first year as a married couple together. And then he gets traded to the East Coast. Well, that's what Kelsey Plum is dealing with right now. And she said it's probably because he, and by he, it is Josh McDaniels, wasn't invited to the wedding that he made this trade happen. I love a troll. 
I love when, you know, you can defend your man on Twitter by being a troll. But Josh McDaniels, like Robert Griffin III said, is not a romantic. I mean, Liv, come on. They just got married. Yeah, he's wrong for that one. He is wrong for that one. Oof, gosh. I mean, you know, listen, though, you got two <laughs> athletes, very, very great athletes that are in a relationship. They know how this industry goes. They know how this job is. You know, they're on the road a lot. They travel a lot. So they'll make it work. They'll make it happen. But yeah, I love seeing her, uh, you know, get a little spicy back with that response. I thought that was great. Clap back on Twitter. But this one, just the timing of this is absolutely hilarious. Um, It's, you know, I think their seasons don't overlap too much. So I think they'll be able to, like you said, make it work. But the timing is insane. Totally. Like, we just got married, man. We're supposed to be the first couple of Vegas and you just <laughs> broke us up. But I know right. a hater when I see one. I can't believe the hour has already come to an end. It was so much fun hosting with you. It was such a pleasure to be here. This is such a great show, the production. Uh, everything has been great. Everyone has been lovely to work with. It's been awesome. There was so, I feel like, this was like the best day for me to hop on. There was so much going on in terms of listen, the NFL news, the NBA. It's crazy. It's just the tip of the iceberg, guys. Make sure you guys come and right. tune in again. Three o'clock tomorrow, right here on Peacock. Don't know who will be hosting, but it may be us again. You never know. Come back and check it out. We'll see you next time. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.